The first reading is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, Saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the King of the Jews, save yourself. There was a, a, a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. So as King David prayed, show us your ways, Lord. Teach us your paths. Guide us in your truth and teach us. For you are God our Savior, and our hope is in you all day long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a perfect summer evening in June. The sky was blue, the clouds were fluffy and white, the wind was gone. We hadn't been cycling long. We travelled past St George's School and through the lanes in a southerly direction. 
We'd passed Sweden's golf course and we were descending down another one of those Jersey roads that I can't pronounce. We'd meandered gently round the sharp bends as we approached Sandybrook. And we were about to arrive at Pierpicks and then turn right down the Percage. The brakes were on. I looked behind, there was no one there. My right hand came off to indicate, and at that moment, the bike began to wobble. In a nanosecond, my balance was gone. There was no turning back. The shoulder hit first, then the elbow, and the side, and then the head. The bike was fine, and so I thought was fine. The shoulder and hip bruised and a little sore. The elbow had one of those playground scratches, but the head was shaken. And the next 40 minutes or so are all a blur, until my brain began to wake from its shape. Often, I think back to that night, about what happened and why, and more importantly, what's next. Sometimes I think about what if my brain had not begun to work again? As I once heard John Ottenberg say, who we are depends upon our ability to remember. Who we are depends upon our ability to remember. The human brain, the most complex organ in our body, the greatest computer in the world, the amount of information that we can store is staggering. The data that we can draw down from decades ago is frighteningly quick, all for a little less power than what it takes to power a 60-watt light bulb. But our brain isn't just about our intellects, is it? It's about something far more important in today's world as well, our emotional intelligence. And it's the greatest contributor to something even bigger than that. Our minds and what makes you and me who we are. Earlier this year I read a book by Dr. Paul Kalanithi, and in this book, which is a memoir, he talks about his search as a brain surgeon to connect the life of the mind with the most elegant rules of the brain, because our brains give rise to our ability to form relationships when our life and make life meaningful. Who you are depends upon your ability to remember. And when it comes to remembering as far as the Bible is concerned, we're reminded repeatedly that we suffer from two memory malfunctions. Here's the first. We forget what we should remember. And here's the second. We remember what we should forget. And of particular importance as far as the Bible is concerned, we read through, we read through the stories of the people of Israel is how they have this capacity to forget God and his love for them, his goodness towards them, and his faithfulness towards them. It's why the Bible repeatedly reminds us as we read the pages of the importance of remembering God. It's as if one Bible writer writes, it's as if there is a theology of remembrance that runs all through these pages. After all, this is why we see a rainbow, isn't it, in the skies. <coughs> we see a rainbow in the skies to remind us of God's goodness and his faithfulness that never again will he destroy the earth. 
no matter how evil it gets. This is why the Jews, isn't it, celebrate every year the Passover meal. And as they eat that food, they tell them a story. The story of how God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. This is why if you were at St. George's or the parish church last Sunday, we had those 12 stones. Those 12 stones that are a memorial by the side of the Jordan River. So that when people go by the Jordan River and they see the pile of 12 stones and they ask, what are they there for? They're there as a reminder. A reminder of when God was good and faithful to them by parting the waters so they could enter the promised land. This is why, as King David and some of the other writers of the Psalms told us, that we are to remember God and the importance of remembering God, even in times of difficulty. This is why every week often, for many Christians, they take a piece of bread and they drink from a cup of wine to remember. Remember the night before Jesus died after he had eaten the Passover meal to remember what he was about to do for them. This is why we remember the words that were read in that first Bible reading of the Christian hope of the new creation. The great picture of the paradise of the eternal city of Eden in the new heavens and the earth. Who you are depends upon your ability to remember. Yet contrast that picture of paradise, of the garden city with the images that we've seen this year from the Western Front. As we've remembered the 100th anniversary of the start of the Battle of the Sun. You know, we, we, we look at the figures and we kind of just get baffled by a million people who either died or were injured there. 72,000 men who, who fought there where they just never found a body. Contrast that picture of paradise with that place. If you're into your poetry, you might have heard of Siegfried Sassoon. He was a poet, a writer, and a soldier in the First World War. He was decorated for his bravery on the Western Front. And four months after the Great War finished, he wrote a poem called Aftermath, which was this impassioned plea because of the horrors of war that he'd seen not to forget. He wrote this. Have you forgotten yet? For the world's events have rumbled on those gag days like traffic checked while at the crossing of city ways, and the haunting gap in your mind is filled with thoughts that flow like clouds lit in the heaven of life, and you're a man reprieved to go. Taking your peaceful share of time with joy to spare, but the past is just the same and wars are begin. Have you forgotten yet? Look down and swear by the slain of war that you'll never forget. Do you remember the dark moment she held the sector of the Mets? The night she watched and wired and dug and piled sandbags on parapets? Do you remember the rats and the stench of corpses rotting in front of the frontline trench? And dawn coming dirty, white and chilled with a hopeless rain? Do you ever stop and ask, is it all going to happen again? Do you remember 
that hour of him before the attack, and the anger of the blind compassion that seeks and shook you then, as you peered at the doomed and haggard faces of your men. Do you remember the stretch of cases lurching back with dying eyes and holing heads, those ashen grey, masks of the lads who were once keen and kind again? Have you forgotten yet? Look up and swear by the green of the spring that you'll never forget. Who you are depends upon your ability to remember. And the aftermath of the Great War and World War II and war in general is that for many the memory of what they saw and see was and is too great. They remembered and they could not forget. And they weren't going to talk about it either. And they were almost haunted to their own great fire. I remember shortly after I got ordained, I went to see a man who was dying. He was German. He was German. He was a pilot who flew Messerschmitts in the Second World War. He was one of the few survivors from his battalion. And that was his problem. Shortly after he died, when I bumped into his widow, she spoke of how even till his last breath, he was haunted by the thought of why did he survive? The aftermath of the Great War and World War II and war in general is that it was for many precisely because they did remember what they could not forget, that they then forgot what they should remember most notably about God and his love for them and his faithfulness and goodness to them. I guess they just couldn't reconcile on one hand, the goodness of God with the horrors that they saw fellow human beings inflicted on one another. And there was this disconnect that came between what their head was thinking and their heart was saying. But this aftermath isn't just unique to wartime, is it? It also happens in peacetime as well. Because we have this ability to remember, to replay over in the memories of our mind, the events of the horrors of our life that we should forget. The kind of events that we cannot forget and that wake us up at three in the morning. And then we have those long memories equally in another way where we remember the things from the past that have been done to us and we allow them to eat away to us. Where we should forgive, forget and move on the need to satisfy revenge, a bitter root that is allowed to fester, a hate that consumes. And in both circumstances, this kind of remembering leads to spiritual forgetfulness of where we should remember what we forget, to remember God's love for us, his goodness and his faithfulness towards us. And he becomes absent from our hearts. Who you are depends upon your ability to remember. There are those who say that it's not possible. It's not possible to see such horror and devastation on a daily basis and still remember the goodness of God. Yet it is still possible. Even while witnessing the horror and devastation on a daily basis to still focus upon the goodness of God. Because there was a similar scene, a similar scene to the Battle of the Somme, 
when the city of Jerusalem was sacked by the Babylonians in 586 BC. As one biblical scholar writes at that event, it's impossible. Impossible to either overstate the intensity or the complexity of the suffering that came to a head in the devastation of Jerusalem and then continued in the 70 years of exile. Loss was total, carnage was rampant, cannibalism and sacrilege with twin homes stalking the streets of Jerusalem. But these scenes of despair, these scenes of devastation, described if you want, if you can just read the book of Lamentations in the Bible, changes. It changes and the writer's mood changes. It changes because he begins to remember God with these great words. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have thought. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Who you are depends upon your ability to remember. I often wondered over this past year, as we've watched those scenes from the Battle of the Song, what it must have been like for those soldiers. Not the ones who survived, not the ones who just were just gone, but the ones who, who lay dying in the song. I wonder if you ever think about that. Desperately praying that a miracle of help would arrive, knowing, yet knowing deep in their heart that it would not. And as each soldier prepared to face God, I wonder which of the two thieves they represented. Were they the mocker who hurled insults and cursed God because their time was up? Or were they the penitent one who pleaded for God to remember him? See, because when it comes down to it, this is what life is all about, isn't it? This is what the meaning of life is all about. How we live our lives in the face of mortality. This is what their life is about. This is what your life is about. This is what my life is all about. And you see, it comes down to remembering another tear-stained and blood-spattered horse This time the scene of devastation was on a hill outside of Jerusalem, where we remember that the most important tea has been shed and blood being spattered was God's, as the innocent one bears the sins of the many. You see, there will be a day that will come for each of us, where we will be asking Jesus to remember us, to invite us into the paradise of the new heavens and the earth. And the only hope we have that he will comes down to our response to and lack of forgetfulness of the cross. For it's Jesus' atoning death for each of us. For when we understand that, that we begin to grasp the depth of God's love for each one of us, his goodness, his faithfulness towards us. For it's only the cross that can forgive my past, your past, and reconcile each one of us to God so that we can live in relationship with him for the rest of our lives in this world and the next. And when we remember, when we truly remember the cross, 
We cannot forget why Jesus died. And by remembering, those events change us. And we begin to live our life defined by it. So much so that we are deeply penitent for the messy moments of our lives that we have created but will not be defined by our shame. So much so that we are truly sorry when in our selfishness we've wronged others but we will not wallow in our guilt. So much so that when the events of life have been cruel to us we will not become bitter or kick out but instead remember God's love for us. So much so that when people have been cruel to us we'll not seek revenge but the best form of reconciliation that is possible. For when we do those things we live the life of heaven on earth now. For who we are depends upon our ability to remember. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, who is always good, always faithful, always loving, help us to live our lives in remembrance of you, rather than absence from you. Draw us into a deeper understanding of your unconditional love for us, to understand the cost of you giving up your life for us on the cross, and to live a life defined by that memory. So that when our days end, we will know with certainty, you will remember us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.